0: It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, May 18th, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this is Raven News. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration on Tuesday authorized a third COVID shot for children ages 5 to 11 who've already gotten their first two. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control is expected to update its recommendations later this week. The availability of the booster for children is welcome news for Alaska's public health officials who are trying to stem the tide of new cases in the state, which are rising at about 6 percent per week. About 41 Alaskans remain hospitalized with COVID-19, four of them on ventilators. During a statewide teleconference last week, officials in the State Department of Health answered questions about the ongoing efforts to vaccinate residents and the role of home testing. Now the rapid antigen tests are widely available over-the-counter. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports.
1: Healthcare providers hear this all the time. I feel sick, but my rapid test is negative. That's because rapid tests sometimes don't show a positive result in the early stages of the illness state pharmacist Dr. Coleman Cutchin says to err on the side of caution when interpreting the results of over-the-counter
2: or OTC tests. You know, if you have symptoms, think you have COVID and you test negative, um, reach out to your healthcare provider or consider, you know, getting a molecular test or Repeating one of those at-home OTC tests, you know, every every couple days, as long as you have symptoms.
1: Cutchin said that recent data published by the Journal of the American Medical Association showed that rapid home tests were most reliable well after the onset of symptoms, and that molecular tests or PCR tests done by healthcare providers could detect the virus even before patients develop symptoms. Prompt confirmation can be important in the treatment of patients who are most at risk of developing severe illness, says the state's chief medical officer, Dr. Ann Zink.
0: So particularly if you're at risk uh, and treatment would be something you would consider and you have an at-home antigen test that's negative, but you're not feeling well, getting that PCR or that molecular test earlier can help to identify it earlier so we can get you started on treatment earlier.
1: Zink was pleased to report that 600 people a week were stepping up for their first vaccines in Alaska. As vaccination remains the number one weapon against the virus, but does the adaptability of the current Omicron variant suggest that boosters might be part of the fight indefinitely? Dr. Jeffrey Demain, an immunologist at Providence Hospital, doesn't think so.
3: I think in the fall we're going to see a vaccine that's going to be somewhat different than what we've been, we've seen thus far. Uh, it'll be a, you know probably um, looking at more more multiple aspects of attacking the virus or, or stimulating immune system response to the virus rather than a single response. So I think as we go, we're going to have new iterations. And you um, know, I anticipate that we're going to eventually get to a point where it's going to be like our annual flu shot.
1: Domain said that we're sort of playing catch up a bit, but regardless of your age, there's no point in boosting. You only want to get the shots that are recommended for you and your age group and your certain circumstances. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey.
0: The cruise industry and several Pacific Northwest ports announced on Tuesday that they are working together to try to eventually eliminate greenhouse gas emissions from cruising in the region. KTOO's Jeremy Shea reports.
2: Lots of partners are signing on to the effort to develop the world's first green corridor for cruise ships. It's a super early first step toward a goal they want to achieve by 2050. The idea is to work together to develop technology, infrastructure, and best practices so that cruises no longer pump greenhouse gases into the atmosphere that cause global climate change. Partners so far include the city and borough of Juneau, the port authorities in Seattle and Vancouver, international shipping organizations, and the operators of almost every big cruise ship in the region. Jesse Fanistock is with the Global Maritime Forum, which works on maritime sustainability issues.
1: When Port of Seattle first reached out to us about, about this concept, we, we, were, we were very excited and, and quite frankly, a little surprised. We, we didn't anticipate, uh, as we were working on this, that Cruise would be one of the first mover segments uh, on green corridors. Um, but we very much agree, uh, having uh, looked at the concept presented, that, that this is a, a really promising opportunity. And if it can be done anywhere, it's here in the Pacific Northwest.
2: A single cruise ship can burn thousands of gallons of fuel a day. Kelly Craighead leads the industry group Cruise Lines International Association. She says CLIA and many other stakeholders want the United Nations International Maritime Organization to develop a massive research and development fund.
1: Carnival Corporation, Royal Caribbean Group, Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings, MSC Cruises, and many others are willing to invest deeply into these types of collaborative R&D funds because it is going to take that level of investment to be able to develop the technologies that don't currently
2: exist. Jan Swartz is the president of the Holland America Group, a subsidiary of Carnival. She says her company already has its own R&D team, working on new technologies to make cruise ships more efficient and to use alternatives to fossil fuels.
3: We're really excited to bring to the table our learnings um, to share with others in the maritime sector and seek similar ideas from them uh, so that we can accelerate uh, our collective progress faster.
2: The structure and scope of how the partners will work on this green corridor still has to be worked out. An official with the Port of Seattle says he expects to get all of the partners together in the next 30 days to begin work on a charter for the group. Alexandra Pierce is Juno's tourism manager. She says this partnership can be a model for the rest of the world. We were the first port in the world to have shore power, and I think it's really appropriate that we leave the world in this too and continue to push the envelope on environmental policy um, and practice in the cruise world. Someone somewhere needs to figure out what the roadmap looks like to get the industry there. Green Corridor Partners announced their collaboration during a conference on ports and harbors in Vancouver. In Juneau, I'm Jeremy Shea.
0: A coalition of pebble mine opponents traveled to Washington, D.C. last week. Their goal was to push the Environmental Protection Agency to permanently protect Bristol Bay against future developments like the proposed pebble mine. KDLG's Izzy Ross has more.
3: The pebble deposit is a vast store of copper, gold and molybdenum that sits at the headwaters of Bristol Bay. For almost two decades, activists from around the region and the country have worked to stop the construction of an open pit mine there. This month, they hope the EPA will take a step closer to long-term protections against the development. Representatives with the United Tribes of Bristol Bay and a national group of commercial fishermen met with members of Congress and the Environmental Protection Agency last week with a request to permanently block development of the pebble deposit under the Clean Water Act. At a press conference in front of the United States Capitol building, Thomas Tilden, a chief of the Choryung Tribal Council, says they came to ask the feds to use their authority to protect Bristol Bay's salmon from the threat posed by the mine.
2: Our salmon is just not our salmon. We are uh, people that live on the land, and I believe that we are protectors of that salmon because that salmon belongs to America. When you look at how many people utilize, 50 percent of the salmon that is in America comes from our waters. Our waters are pristine, plentiful. And that's what nurses that salmon so well.
3: Tilden and others are pushing so hard for protections in the region because the EPA is expected to take the next step in the veto process against Pebble by the end of the month. Here's how that process works. Section 404 of the Clean Water Act is the federal law that regulates how the nation's wetlands and waterways are developed. The EPA can use part of that law to veto development in those wetlands if it determines that it would cause unacceptable damage to water supplies or wildlife habitat. In the next two weeks, the EPA will issue an initial proposal on how to restrict or totally deny mining of the pebble deposit. That's called a proposed determination or preemptive veto. That's followed by a public comment period. Then the EPA's regional administrator recommends whether to move forward with the veto. The United Tribes of Bristol Bay says they expect the EPA to release its proposed determination by May 26th. They are hoping for a final determination by the end of the year. At last week's press conference, California Democratic Representative Jared Huffman says he joined the Alaska coalition to tell the EPA to block developments like Pebble in Bristol Bay.
2: Administrations can change. Politics can change. And so with something as critical to the economy of Alaska, to the way of life of the people in Bristol Bay and Alaska, something as critical as this Bristol Bay watershed, you just can't afford to leave that to chance. You've got to finish the job.
3: A big talking point was the upcoming sockeye salmon season. More than 73 million salmon are expected to return to the bay this summer. Michael Jackson with the organization Commercial Fishermen for Bristol Bay says the EPA should act to protect those record runs.
1: Let me tell you how how record last year over 66 million fish returned. This year 73.4 million are forecast to return.
3: Pebble Limited Partnership spokesperson Mike Heatwell says he doesn't expect the result of the proposed determination to be good for Pebble or other potential mines in the area.
2: We're waiting to see uh, primarily what ultimately the EPA um, will roll into that proposed determination. As as you know, uh, the, the devil's always in the
3: details. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers denied Pebble's federal permit proposal in November of 2020. Heatwall says the company is working with the Corps on an appeal of that decision, which it filed last year. In Dillingham, I'm Izzy Ross.
0: And a disclosure. Michael Jackson is the president of Bristol Bay Regional Seafood Development Association, which is a financial supporter of KDLG, where this story was initially reported. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now taking a quick look at the weather for Sitka for today, Wednesday, May 18th, 2022. Today, mostly cloudy. Near Port Alexander, scattered rain showers in the morning. Highs in the upper 50s. North winds 10 to 15 miles per hour, shifting to the northwest in the afternoon. Good morning.